Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken here, my good friend and co-host of this podcast. Travis Crins joining me here. Travis, how are we doing? What do I always say? Uh, good? Cold? Uh, fantastic or great? Fantastic, yep. I should use those adjectives better. Some sort of, some sort of positive, but obviously... Are you are you gonna be okay? You had this cough uh, during the Google chat on Sunday. I had a cough for the last couple of weeks. I've I've been better here the last few days. Are you going to be okay? Yes. Okay. Because we have two big weeks coming or two big weekends coming up here in the next month and a half. Summit League tournament here, uh, yeah. not this next weekend, but the next weekend, and then again, you and I will be at the Final Four in Minneapolis, um, April sixth and the eighth. Yeah. So this is a, I can't have you just uh, uh, croaking on me here. No, I envision getting better like tomorrow or Wednesday. Guy at work got sick. Probably Monday of last week. Was he out the and, whole week? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. He missed two days. I was out Friday. I uh, did not go to work today. Did a couple of games, so I wasn't completely out. So, I usually don't use sick days, but I use them now. I don't, yeah, I would. Imagine within a day or two, uh, I'll be fine. Well, that's good. Take the sick days where you can and when you can get them. Because this is a busy time of the year for you and for Marcus. Uh, with yeah. with uh, with high school wrestling going on and basketball, of course, the Summit League tournament going on, NAIA. Um, you know, the tur- I guess the, what we t- discussed, the NAIA tournament is going to be the same time, same weekend as the Summit League tournament uh, in Sioux Falls. They'll have it at the Pentagon um, the uh-huh. uh, of course, the Summit League tournaments at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. Um, is the Division Two like is the is the Northern Sun? Are they going to have yeah. their tournament in there somewhere? In there, I mean, this is this is crazy stuff. A crazy time we live in. Yeah, for a month, I think Northern Sun should start probably this week. This will be the second year that the uh, NAIA Division Two men are in Sioux Falls. Women, they're always in Sioux City. Yeah, summer league, high school stuff. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. How many games will you be doing between what basketball and wrestling or whatever whatever else is on your agenda here? What? How many games will you have to do or cover or any any of the like? Hopefully, I'm done. I did my. Hopefully, I'm done. I did. Yeah, I did two games Thursday. I didn't feel well at all. It sucked. I was at Thursday was where I was the worst. Uh. I ached all over like an old man. I've never ached so much in my life, for God's sake. Yeah. That was Thursday in Huron. I feel for you because I know exactly where you've been. Yeah. So what, 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 what is this? Everybody's got the same thing. Like, my head's fine. My nose is fine. Uh, I got a cough. My so my throat is fine. It's got this cough, but the, the aching, Jesus Christ. <laughs> What is that? I don't know. I mean, my nose has been running like a faucet here for the last week and a half or two. Uh, my cough has since subsided. Uh, mm-hmm. I had the aches for a while. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's uh, the the same strand of the flu or uh, this cold or or whatnot. It's just people are getting different parts of it. So 
Uh, you're well, not you're not getting the entire jackpot or ship pot, I guess is uh, you might say it. Uh, um, I think everyone's kind of getting it differently. It's get everyone's getting hit with a some version. It's just not the same version. I was pretty good as that little guy at work gave it to me. That's one thing I think of. Uh, you know what? That, that's very nice. It's, isn't it the season of giving? Oh wait, that's December and Christmas. I'm sorry. It was bad. So Thursday was bad. I did two games. Um, Friday's at the Corn Palace. Saturday's at the Corn Palace. So hopefully I'm done. Might have to do a game. I assume I'm going to do a game or two Friday, but then hopefully I'm done. Well, I can think of something that would... You know what? There are a lot of cold remedies out there uh, that you could use. You can use Vicks on your chest. You can mm-hmm. take you know, Tylenol PM or Advil. You know, just a, a whole lot of good stuff out there. A lot of good medication. You know what I would not recommend? Uh, I would not recommend going to a massage parlor and having any sex acts no. performed on you, like Robert Kraft of the Boston or the of the New England Patriots did. Uh, supposedly or allegedly down in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, for those that who may have been living under a rock or a pineapple under the sea, SpongeBob SquarePants, we haven't pulled that one out in quite some time. Uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, is one of, I thought it was a, what, like a couple hundred people uh, in a a slew of these massage parlors or massage uh, therapists, uh stores and whatnot in Florida uh, that uh, are being charged with prostitution and uh, it's all part of this human trafficking or sex trafficking sting that uh, has been reportedly going on for about six months and uh, Robert Kraft is the biggest name there. Uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN had said that there was a bigger name, and authorities are like, no, I don't think so. This is probably the biggest they come. So Pierce Shefty is wrong on this one. Uh, but this was quite the news on Friday. News so big that every cable news network and every nightly news telecast, NBC, ABC, CBS, led with it. And multiple stories of it. It was quite uh, quite the story on Friday going into the weekend. Yeah, so he'll get, I don't know, whatever, he'll get a fine or whatever, slap on the wrist. Um, again, it's more surprising than anything, like nothing's going to happen to him. Then he'll sell the team, he's not going to jail, he's not, any, nothing's hap- going to happen to him. So, I don't know. It's Yeah, it, it's bad for the NFL, but just like everything else, it's going to go away, and we'll be talking about the draft next month, and... They'll be going on their business, and nobody will care, nobody will bat an eye, because people love their football for whatever reason. I don't know if this will go away as quietly as you might expect. Uh, There is some precedence with the league suspending an owner, uh, 2014-2015, Colts, uh, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay had a DWI, a lot of prescription pills and whatnot. He was fined $500,000, suspended six weeks. Um, so there is reason to perhaps believe that, um, I don't know, that, that 
for Bob Kraft here that the, the league's going to come down on him pretty significantly because of everything that's going on here with the whole, uh, you know, the sex trafficking deal and whatnot. Uh, it's a bad look for one of the more prestigious and prominent owners in the NFL, and I don't think the NFL will take it lightly. It's just a matter of what what punishment can they dish out that fits the crime, you know? Yeah, again, like, he's not a player, he's not, like, a star player or anything, he's just the owner. But Maybe, he's the star uh, owner of a team that's won six Super Bowls yeah. in this era. Yeah, like, this is the only, they'll, they'll have whatever penalty they'll give him, they'll, you know, suspend him for the year, or whatever they'll decide to do, but things will go on, people, I don't I don't think people really care. Um, no, the teenage girls that are brought here with the promise of, oh, come here and... You know, you can go to school and college and whatever, and then they become slaves and they uh, do sex acts for old guys, old creepy guys like Robert Kraft with a dead wife and a... Apparently uh, a 39-year-old actress, too, that he's dating, so that's Yeah, now married to somebody who's like 40 years younger than he is, because that's normal for, for people who are president and things like that, since that's, that's useful. So, yeah, they'll, they'll do whatever they'll do, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's it's uh, this is one. It's like a grain of salt in a much bigger story about you know sex slavery. So put a put an end to that. This, this is such a bad look for the NFL because once again, it's about you know something's being done terribly that's terribly wrong to women, and the NFL just can't seem to get out of its own way regarding this. So I. I I don't know what's going to happen here with Robert Kraft and, and stuff. He's only he, he can spend at most 60 days in jail. Apparently, he solicited prostitution on the day of the AFC Championship game. That is what police are saying. Um, he was in Florida the day of the game? Yeah, apparently, yes. He was in Florida the day of the Kansas game. Kansas City? Yep, and then flew up to what? Kansas City. So What a luxury. What a luxury. I mean, if he, unless he wants to put some money... I, uh, maybe some money towards, uh, you know, trying to stop sex trafficking because or human trafficking because it is such a big deal. I don't know. It's it's bad, and I don't know what the appropriate punishment is for him. But I think he's. I think it's going to be more than just a slap on the wrist. And uh, between Spygate and Deflategate. The sex gate may be the most dam like most damaging of all, and I think this stains his reputation forever. It is it going to be a lasting legacy? Not necessarily, but is this does this tarnish uh, his? Is this a stain? Absolutely. I hope it does. Yeah, I mean, he's he like a such a good guy. Well, whatever. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of money. Uh, they made Kaepernick go away. A lot of money, so yeah, they can just throw money problems. They made the concussion thing go away with a billion dollars. So whatever, whatever ails the NFL, they can just write a big old check. People will be fine. And they'll move on and make the next billion from the TV networks and. We'll keep on rolling on. So there's really nothing that can uh, that can touch the NFL. 
Are you interested at all in the NFL Combine this weekend? No. Okay. No. Well, that's good because we will be spending uh, uh, some time with Jeff Lloyd, the Jeff Lloyd II from uh, Lockdown Browns podcast will be joining us here later in the podcast to preview said NFL well, Combine. Um, Jordan Brown from South Dakota State is there, uh, so I hear that there he could do some pretty good things and uh, maybe be a mid-round draft pick. That'd be good. I'm getting into the, they can get into the uh, habit of having draft picks every few years. That'd be a good deal. The AAF, uh, no one goes to their games. Uh, no. I mean, I don't know. Do you think there's a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue here with the AAF, or is that kind of weaned uh, considerably in the since it's since the opening week? Well, some people we know may like it a lot. <laughs> um, I know who you're talking about. Better put those boots on the ground the... and uh, f- find out who that might be. But always, um, but he also may not care at this moment. That was a whole three weeks ago or whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of it. XFL next year. I mean, you know, minor league for football, it's fine. I'm not watching it. It's not very good. Me either. Uh, the dog did the thing. Good for the dog. Um, yeah, it's not worth watching because it ain't very good. So that's 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 the minor league football. When the coaches are more known, well known than the players, that's a problem. Um, yeah. You mentioned Colin Kaepernick, and we will spend a, a majority of the rest of this podcast uh, talking about college basketball. But we do need to. I do want to at least mention briefly about what transpired in Oxford, Mississippi on Saturday. Um, There were, you know, Colin Kaepernick, of course, has been exiled from the NFL because he took a knee for the national anthem. And we've gone, we've hashed over this multiple times. We are both on the same side, same agreement as to what's going on here. Um, A lot of people don't like it. That's their right. Hopefully, you know, people are at least a little more open to understanding what's going on. And I think for this story, you have to, you really have to be absolutely, you have to be closed-minded and just say, I don't give a flying F to, to not understand exactly what's going on here. So Saturday, there's a pro-Confederacy like rally or march that's going on. A couple of them, I think, at least one that's going on in Oxford, Mississippi, because the city or the state, the area is getting rid of Confederate uh, type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, statues and and maybe renaming streets. It, it, they're just removing the Confederacy from it. And some people would say, "Well, it's 2019. It's about damn time." Well. This pro-Confederacy group was doing a rally, and it was going to conclude at Ole Miss University, the the university there in Oxford. Well, what does the what does the Confederacy stand for? I think we we know uh, from Civil War and, uh, and history and stuff that the Confederacy was uh, you know they pro- they were promoting like slavery and, and different stuff like that. The, just the the their ideals and their values were not are, are not what we would come to think of as being very American. And uh, as a result of these uh, these this rally, eight of the fifteen Ole Miss basketball players took a knee. 
And there has not been a whole lot of uproar about this. And in fact, I'm sure if, if I hadn't just mentioned it right now, I'm guessing, you know, half of the 30 people, do we even get 30 people listening to this podcast? I hope we do. Uh, half of these people might not even know that something happened. But the fact that people are kneeling during the national anthem does cause some stir, does cause some debate. But I would hope in this instance, if you're saying don't disrespect the anthem, don't disrespect the flag, that you can look and say there are pro-Confederacy people that are going that are coming on our campus that are promoting values that are not what the United States stands for. That's not what the stars and stripes stand for. The why like that that that's why they're doing this. They are saying we have to we're fighting this revolt that's going on here and I'm I'm completely okay with it. I know some people won't, but um, that's why I would say in this certain situation, unlike you know with Colin Kaepernick and doing the whole police brutality, this seems like a very reasonable thing to understand what's going on. Yeah, this really isn't a. Uh, there, there seems to be only one side you can't support in this. In this situation, I believe someone said though last year, Krenz, there are good people on both sides after the whole Charlottesville uh, incident with the Ku Klux with the KKK. Yeah, they did. That person did say that. But this would be uh, this would be just like that situation where there's uh, there's a good side and a bad side. Uh, so I appreciate these players that did it. Uh, a couple of them did it, and they continued to do it, but kind of on the spur of the moment. Uh, what I don't like is their coach, Kermit Davis. I don't like Kermit Davis. Uh, he's an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he, he did not like this. He said at the press conference he supported his players. That's good. Um, and and, and the athletic good. director did as well. So they are at least getting the backing publicly. I don't know what is being said privately to him, but they are at least not getting the, the players are not getting chastised uh, publicly by the AD or the coach, which is good. I don't know who the AD is, but I know who the coach is. Yep. And uh, in the past, he said they would respect the flag at the anthem when he was hired a year ago. Uh, he was in Middle Tennessee State. He was big on standing. And just uh, while watching it, you could just tell that he did not like it. Um, he says the players made an emotional decision. He respects the players' freedom and ability. He didn't say... You know, he agreed with him. He said, hey, yeah, yeah, the kind of a backdoor way out of, I respect your ability to say whatever the hell you want to say or do whatever the hell you want to do. Obviously, he would never do this, even though it's right outside of um, his arena. So, yeah, so uh, I don't like this coach, Grimmett Davis. He can go to hell. Everybody yeah. else uh, did well in this. Yeah, this is going to blow over this. Yeah, this is. Um, I get it. Just weird why Kaepernick was was why Kaepernick was the big thing when this happened before. It happens after, and those doesn't get any of the reaction. So that's what it was about uh, Kaepernick. He, Fox News got a hold of that, and they decided to, to make him the guy. But they yeah, did good for Old Miss because, uh, believe it or not, Sacken, there's a, there's still racists out there. There, I I've been made aware of that. Uh, um, <sighs> 
I didn't know until Saturday, but I do I do know that here now. Um, it's been good, really good, like four or five years for racists in this country. It has. They've had the. Uh, it had a bit of a resurgence uh, because of Trump, so that's uh, I'm hoping we can put to bed here in a couple weeks. It's not, uh, I don't feel like we're progressing. I feel like we're reverting and reverting back to early 20th century or uh, yeah. middle 20th century sort of ideals or ideologies here in parts of the country. Certainly not all. And I would think most people condemn this sort of thing. Again, this has not gotten the, the media attention that... Um, that Ka- Kaepernick did. I would compare Kaepernick to a modern-day Joan of Arc or a modern-day martyr. I mean, he basically got, you know, the death penalty. All into, his career got the death penalty uh, he for for what he did. And this, in a sense, is the same, but it's also different. He's protesting the social injustices, and while this is a social injustice, this is also promoting more racist points of view than than necessarily what Kaepernick was doing. So, um, I'm glad that there's been... What's that? At least with this, hopefully people know what they're protesting or why they're taking a knee. Yes. That seems to be an issue uh, with with the players. This is is cut and dry. This is black and white. This is as clear as it can be. There should be no room for interpretation. And again, I will ask this again because someone at work decides to push my button with this and I kept pressing him and the people who don't like what's going on with kneeling in the flag and, and whatnot and disrespect the national anthem and blah 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 um, they do it another way what way do you want these players these people to protest in a way that will raise awareness to the situation that will cause you to think about it and make you know, like impact your life or create an, a chance to impact the world around us. What what do you want them to do that's going to make you pay attention and know that this is going on and maybe try and put a stop to it? And no one has been able to give me any concrete plan, any idea, any notion that they have any clue what's going on. Oh, I don't know. We just they shouldn't do it there. Then if you don't have, that's not that's not for me to decide. I, there are other people who need to do that. Well, guess what? Shut up then and let them do this to raise awareness, and you guys can help figure out the cause uh, or help figure out what it is that we can do to help society move on from these egregious issues. Apparently, the XFL has got a hold of Kaepernick's so. note. So we'll see. I mean, the AAF is not, despite having the head start and despite having a TV deal, they may not let the world on fire. Not that they are, but hey, there's, there's a lawsuit now at the AAF. One guy said that he he had the idea and they didn't include him in it and he wants money. And, yep. uh, you know, there was a threat of they couldn't make payroll for one week. So AAF went off to a good start. And we'll see what Vince Van does. Um, like he, I mean, he's got what Oliver, Oliver Luck running the thing, he's commissioner. Yep. They've got Bob Stoops. They've got, AAF has all these old coaches per year and all these old guys. Jim Zorn um, apparently is coaching, a, uh, in, um, the, the, the Seattle XFL team. Well, so. it, it, this looks like the XFL, I don't know, is going to be a little bit more high profile. And the thing with Kaepernick, I mean, I, I'm sure they want Tebow, um, 
And there are guys out there, I mean, this thing draws with guys nobody's ever heard of. How many millions of people watched? It outdrew the, like the uh, book loan that almost City Houston Rockets team that was on the same night. Yep. Was that? It's a random minor league football game. A minor league football game with players nobody's ever heard of beat the basketball game. So, I think it's Kaepernick. I think that'd be a great idea. I'd be stunned. But, well, I hope he does, but I would expect it. But, it's, um, yeah, dude, they're, they're just bad people. Just bad people out there. And so. you will have people who defend Robert Kraft and the New England Patriots, but yet, uh, Oh, good, but yeah, you know, doing this with the whole human trafficking deal. But oh, you kneel, something that Green Beret Nate Boyer told you told Kaepernick would be the the proper thing to do, and all hell breaks loose again. Doesn't make sense. You know, all of this can all of this can just go back to people being uninformed. They are uninformed about or why this is happening, or they don't just, they don't care to know. They they've made their. Um, Opinion. They've 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 made their opinion. They've made their feelings known, and nothing's going to change it. So, when you, and then when you tell them what they should know, they don't care, and then nothing happens. Yep. So it's like if you can't win, then they're not going to change. Yep. Um. So, uh, sticking with college basketball here, uh, very good week. Uh, the Duke North Carolina game was sensational. If you're a North Carolina fan, if you were looking to see Don, uh, Zion Williamson perhaps dominate North Carolina or see that chess match, you got to see that for 33 seconds. Zion Williamson hurts his knee, blows out his shoe. Uh, former President Barack Obama, even like you could see him say, he blew his shoe out. Uh, it was very good. Um, North Carolina destroyed Duke. 34 of their 42 points in the first half were in the paint. Uh, Zion Williamson did not return after the first 36 seconds, and um, that that obviously left a big void. Duke was shell-shocked by it, and they lost, but they regrouped and beat Syracuse in Syracuse Saturday night. R.J. Barrett had a big game. I think he had 30 points. They were without Zion Williamson then. They won't be with. Uh, they won't have him when they take on Virginia Tech uh, this uh, on on Tuesday here. But just. Overall, uh, the Duke-UNC game had so much more hype to it than normal. Uh, and UNC played very well, but it, it, it's kind of tough to measure just how good they are or they were in beating Duke when you don't have the best player in college basketball on the court for more than 30 seconds of the game. Yeah. They were wrapping it up big, and Carolina pretty much dominated. I expected the Duke to you know, maybe make a run there at the end, but they really didn't. So, it's a good win for them. They probably, I don't know, they probably shouldn't play until the tournament. They should be out as long as possible. When you say um, the tournament, are you talking the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament? NCAA tournament. Because there's so a, should, If they lose, let, let's say they lose to Virginia Tech. And let's say they lose to North Carolina. And let's say they lose in the ACC tournament. Well. If you have three additional losses on your resume, I don't think that's. I don't think they'd get a one seed. Does it matter for Duke if they sit no. Zion Williamson 
until the NCAA tournament what their seed is, be it a one or a two seed, maybe even as low as a three, though I can't imagine that that would happen. You make them an eight seed, I'd probably pick them. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I, I mean, just I'm just asking just so we know kind of like the seeding matter for Duke because I would say I would agree with you. I don't think it does. And I think they. I mean, I'll take that into consideration. Committee will, even though uh, you know Carolina's probably not going to get the full credit for the win because the best player wasn't there. So hopefully they play again here in a couple of weeks. Well, they will play again in a couple of weeks, and we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, Virginia and Gonzaga, talking about the one seeds, pretty much locks. Um, Duke, pretty solid now in that. I mean, Tennessee's lost a couple. Kentucky, maybe, is uh, looking at a one seed, maybe. Yep. Kentucky, Tennessee winner, be a one seed. But yeah, seed for Duke, uh, does not matter. <laughs> Tennessee, speaking of the Vols, lost 82-80 to LSU, who was playing without their best player. Uh, very entertaining game, though it really bogged down at the end. What There were four reviews that took about 10 minutes. The referees had no clue what they were doing. They had no confidence in their calls. Um, uh, Grant Williams, a star player for Tennessee, committed a foul with .6 seconds left in overtime. LSU hits a couple of free throws, but this is very good. I'm, I'm not buying completely into LSU, but the fact that they were able to beat a very good Tennessee squad without their best player does speak volumes. But then again, they just lost to Florida at home in overtime uh, prior to the Tennessee game. So I don't know necessarily what LSU is, but I know what they're at least capable of. So they're a team you should definitely watch for to make some noise. But I tell you what, North Carolina and Texas Tech have impressed the hell out of me if they're able to play the way they did this past week. Um, I've learned more about North Carolina outside of Luke May and Nasir Little. You got Kobe White, who's very good. Cam Johnson, a transfer from Pittsburgh, can really knock down the three-point shot. Like North Carolina runs. It's just a matter of are they going to play up to their competition and can they knock down the perimeter shots. The perimeter shooting in the last couple of games has not been good against Florida State and Duke. But when they are clicking, I I can see North Carolina on on the road to a to a final four appearance and Texas Tech Fran Frischilla on the broadcast Saturday night said Texas Tech has the best defense in the country. Combine that with a, I mean, they they swarm the ball. They get a lot of turnovers. They take a lot of charges, uh, so that's good. Um, Culver, they have a, a pretty good shooter in him. They got Matt Mooney, the USD transfer. They got some other good guys in there. Texas Tech is another team that, if their defense is right and if they're shooting very good, they have a legitimate chance at a Final Four. And they wipe the floor with Kansas. Kansas is bad. I don't know if SDSU, I don't know if SDSU will be able to get a 14 seed, but I don't know if they, if they do get a 14 seed, it's not a guarantee that Kansas will even be a three seed. Kansas is playing that poorly right now; they might be a four. So, uh, in saying all that here, if I could pick two dark horses right now to make a well, final four run, it, it not, they're not all that dark horses, but. Two teams right now that maybe aren't getting as much attention as they should. It's North Carolina and Texas Tech, followed by Marquette. Your Marquette squad. Oh, I have it. 
I think my preseason was Duke, Marquette, Kentucky, and Gonzaga, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'd probably keep with that. Like Gonzaga and Duke. <clears throat> Everybody will pick those two teams to go. Mm-hmm. Then it's just a matter of who else. Where, where the bracket line is Marquette. I am I'm pulling up bracketology right now here. Uh, this is as of the 22nd with Joe Lenardi's bracketology. I can pull up Jerry Palm here if you would prefer that. Um, I'll, I'll do both here. But um, if, if I had to pick four teams for the Final Four right now, assuming DeAndre Hunter is healthy for Virginia this year, uh, I like the Virginia to be in the final four and I can't believe I'm saying that I like North Carolina I like Duke and I like Gonzaga I have three ACC teams making a final four appearance Kentucky is right behind them uh Tennessee is as well then I then I have you know Texas Tech in there I'm not despite Sparty beating Michigan in Ann Arbor on Sunday, 77-70. Very impressive win considering Nick Ward wasn't playing. He's got a fractured hand. They were without um, uh, another one of their, their star players. Uh, there's just something about Michigan State that I am hesitant about in picking them to make a deep run. Michigan, they're a good team, but I can see some areas of, of concern. But they're another team that I think will be right up there. But if I had to pick four for the Final Four right now, I'd take Duke, Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Virginia. And that would be possible in Jerry Palm's bracketology. I'll stick with my preseason. Duke, Kentucky, Marquette, Kentucky. Marquette is, uh, according to uh, Palm, not that this would... Sway you, it might change, but uh, they are in uh, Gonzaga's region. That'd be tough, yeah. Um, Virginia, Virginia, and Carolina would also be two teams. Other than that, not Tennessee, I know that much. Not Tennessee. Yeah, despite Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams, Tennessee has fallen a little bit. I believe they they play Kentucky this week. Big, there are some big games this week or coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Kansas, Kansas State. Uh, Kansas isn't winning the Big 12, folks. This will be the first time in 14 years that they won't win the Big 12, barring a un- complete unforeseen circumstance of Kansas State losing, which I, I don't see it happening. They got to win tonight. Yeah, Kansas does. Can- Kansas does. Uh, um, they could, who knows, but... I, I just I don't see it happening. You know, Texas Tech split the season series with, uh, with Kansas. But... Um, I don't. I I forgot where I was going with that here. Uh, well, Houston's twenty six and one. Houston's going to be probably a two seed, a two or a three. I don't know. There's something about Houston. Wait, they just, were on the table. They were on the table. I mean, they're going to be a two. I I can't. Buy, I can't buy into Houston yet. I don't know. I don't. I, I need to watch more AAC basketball to to find out really what Houston is. I I just. It's probably what the sixth best conference. Well, it's a better than the Pac-12. We know that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cincinnati's making it. Central Florida's making it. Temple is... Temple's, Temple's right on the on the outskirts Memphis, there. Memphis having a good year. Memphis next year will be a hot topic. 
Oh yes, oh, I I like Memphis a lot next year with the with the some of the recruits Penny Hardaway's getting. I don't think Houston has a fan of great wins. They beat LSU by six early on. They have any other great wins this year? But I mean, they almost beat Michigan last year. So, but Kelvin Sampson, they're at Houston. Yep. So. Uh, the team that I really like. Uh... Nevada lost. What the hell did who they lose to? Nevada lost at uh, San Diego. Yeah, no, that's not good. Are you you had Nevada? That's right. You had Nevada in the final four. Um, yeah, probably did. Uh, are you are you jumping off the Nevada bandwagon? Yeah, no, they're they're a good team. Probably should be like a four or five seed. I tell you what, Buffalo's not going to sneak up on people, but I really like what the no, I I, what what Buffalo can do. I think they have a chance to make a big uh, Sweet Sixteen run. Um, Furman is in the bubble discussion, Krenz. I'm sorry to do it, but Furman is in, despite the, uh, losing at home to Wofford. The Wofford Terriers. Now, there's another mid-major team that uh, that definitely deserves a lot of attention and praise. Wofford is going to win at least one game in the NCAA tournament. Wofford, I guess, be in nine seed or something. Yeah, Furman, they got to win. They're not getting yeah, Right now, Wofford would be a nine seed playing TCU, and then Wofford would play Virginia. Can you imagine the Terriers? Cool. Sure. Look at this. Can you imagine Virginia losing to two dog teams in back-to-back seasons, losing to the Retrievers Literal. of UMBC last year, and then the Wofford Terriers? How great would that be? Last year I couldn't believe it. This year I could. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Gophers are taking a shit right now. They uh, lost to Rutgers on Sunday. That's not good. Uh, they lost to Michigan at home last week. Again, not not great. Har- the Ivy League is going to produce a very good team, either Yale or Harvard, seemingly the big one. And then uh, we sh- we should mention uh, you know the other teams that are in Utah State. Apparently, they put up a lot of points. So Craig Smith, former USD head coach, he's doing some good things there in year one there at Utah State. Um, and we should mention here by now that congratulations to Mike Dom of South Dakota State for 3,000 points. Uh, he got that with a little jumper against USD uh, late in the second half to, I believe, that put SDSU up by one. Uh, I tell you what, that's it. SDSU, as much as it pains me to say, I am cooling on them significantly because their defense, or lack thereof, is, is just non-existent here recently. Well, I don't think they're going to stop anybody anyway. If they're going to win a game, they're going to have to score a bunch of points. Right, you know, but I mean, US, you can't have USD go like 11 of 18 from 3 to begin the game, or 10 of 18, whatever it was. They were shooting lights out. And maybe this was just one of those games where USD was on the money um, in a rivalry game. They had everything going. But, I mean, you can't be down 17 points at home to USD, to a team as bad as USD. It just can't happen. The thing about it is, sports are weird, and just because they're a bad defensive team now, and maybe they've been a bad defensive team all year, um, doesn't mean that whoever they play in the tournament, they could they could hold them to sixty points. Who knows? Sports are stupid. Sports are weird. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen. And Fort Wayne scares the hell out of me too, because they could put up a lot of points, and SDSU clearly oh. doesn't have an answer for their. For their offense, they, they barely won Thursday night. So I uh, just the, the last couple of weeks between the the 
giving up a 16-point lead on the road at Omaha. That's a significant loss because uh, if Omaha wins out, I believe they win the the Summit League, so SDSU would be the two seed, and then you're going to have to play both Fort Wayne and Omaha, and I don't think that's something that anyone would really want to happen. Uh, they needed a half-court buzzer uh, a bank shot by David Jenkins to beat the the Bison, and then pushed to the limits by Fort Wayne and USD. The, this isn't great headed into tournament time, but at least they are winning the majority of these games. I'm not concerned about them winning the conference. They've got the two best players in the conference. Okay. Well, that, I mean, yeah, it would be a huge disappointment if they didn't win. They won it for, what, three years, four years in a row. Like, where they, where they won it, six out of seven, six out of eight, it's, you, you lose track. I think this would be 10, six 000. out of eight. And these teams come to Sioux Falls once a year, and they play in front of crowds they never see, and they lose all the time. So... I'm, yeah. Uh, the, they may uh, win, they may lose. I would say they're going to win. But I'm, I'm not concerned about John Conchar and folks folks like Conchar. Um, the ginger Robert Hahn. No, not Robert Hahn, um, but Hahn none, nonetheless for Omaha. Excuse you. Uh, yeah. Uh, the women... Had a big overtime win against USD, a ranked USD squad on Sunday. Uh, they were down in the uh, going into the fourth quarter and rallied. Macy Miller played absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Madison Giebert made uh, some big threes in the fourth quarter there, and they ultimately hung on to win in overtime. Sierra Duffy and this Chloe Lamb is a is very, very good player for USD. Um People will say that this result all but guaranteed the Summit League of having two teams in the NCAA Women's Tournament. I think they were going to get that regardless of what happened. But uh, but certainly SDSU's win now um, increases those the, the likelihood significantly. Um, they're both getting it, yeah. I, the 16 would be perfect, yeah. I mean, they're... Even if they lose in the first round tournament, they're getting in. Um, one of the SDSU's now a six, USD's a seven. Yep. So, yeah, so yeah. six seed's pretty much the perfect seed. You'll win your first round matchup against a garbage team. You'll play a three seed, which is doable. Yep. Then you hope, like hell, the two seed gets knocked off. If not, you got them on a neutral court. So, yeah, six seed. Give me the six seed all day long. Of all the seeds, give me the six. Yep, and right that, now, that and right now, SDSU is the sixth seed, as you mentioned. Uh, Charlie Cream from ESPN.com has uh, has them projected as a sixth seed, taking on LSU an eleven seed in Corvallis. They would then have to face the three seed Oregon State. That is a team that SDSU has, that, that is a team that SDSU has played in the NCAA tournament f- before. Oregon State did beat Oregon here last week, so that I don't know if that gives you any. Uh, pause at all because uh, Oregon's a very good team as we saw earlier in December with them coming to Brookings and narrowly beating SDSU but uh, yeah th- this would be a very good uh, a very good region or a very good uh, bracket for SDSU to be in I'm pulling up that uh, they would be in the, the same region as UConn 
they would have NC State in um, NC State's the two seed, and uh, yeah, sign me up. I think they could take down NC State. So. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's do something they haven't done before and reach the Sweet Sixteen. Yes. Let's, yep. Yeah. Let's do that let's first. Do that before we start looking at the Final Four, this Elite Eight. South Dakota is also projected to go to Oregon. Uh, they would be in Eugene taking on Clemson, the ten seed, and then would have to face likely Oregon, uh, the two seed there in Eugene. So that would be a significant challenge there for USD. Uh, which is it's amazing. It's just one seed, and they would still be on the road for round uh, for the second game, provided they both win the first one. But it makes it uh, it just looks a whole lot more. Uh, it looks a whole lot better for SDSU at this point. Well, USD just doesn't have the experience of playing those Morgan Baylor type teams. Mm-hmm. They don't play those. Teams. So. We will see if that happens there. Um, both the men and the women only have one game this week. They take on Western Illinois. That's a good test for the women. Western Illinois has really come on strong here in conference play. The men should wipe the floor with Billy Wright. But Billy Wright's squad did pick up a win against Oral Roberts, so they have all but guaranteed themselves a trip to the, to Sioux Falls. That means Denver, Rodney Billups, and uh, Joe Rogza. Uh, will not be making their uh, trip to Sioux Falls, but apparently they have a lot of freshmen. So Denver's a team that's on, uh, as you would say, on the come. So, well, uh, they they're terrible. So that was a big surprise. It was because they a lot of people projected them to fight SDSU or give them a challenge for the two seed. Is there anything else on the college basketball landscape that we have not talked about that we need to? Players getting played with Williamson getting hurt for a couple weeks. That brought that up again. Some people are against it. I mean, just pay the players for Christ's sake. Maybe it'll happen someday when I'm dead, but good Lord. So, uh, so embarrassing. Yeah, he's getting a little ridiculous. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, Jay Williams is like, oh yeah, Zion shouldn't play. It's it's weird that a college basketball analyst would be uh, actually like promote uh, the idea that he shouldn't play or that uh, you should just go right to the NBA. And I think that's a, you know what these these high schoolers that want to go to the NBA right away, let them because I don't think. A lot of NBA teams would take high school. A lot of these high schoolers. Oh, yeah. What do you th- What are you looking at? Maybe five or six players. I mean, that's not a ton in the in the la- great landscape. No, not even. No, RJ Barrett when it came out, Zion when it came out. Remember, felt like when they used to do it, there'd be a few every year. Sometimes, some years there wouldn't be much, and some years people would go and they wouldn't get drafted. No. And if they don't get drafted, then get you know have the, you know, the school that has your scholarship, have them hold it and give it to you there. Don't don't do this whole G League bullshit. I don't. The, the NBA is really screwing over college basketball. And granted, the NCAA has done their a lot of things in their own right to um, to to muck things up and get it to where the sport is today. But I just feel like the NBA is continuing to try and squeeze the NCAA, or it squeezes the sport of college basketball. Like, either one of them can do something. 
I saw one one person blame, like they blame the NBA or something, or one side blame. Like either side can do whatever they want on this. If the NBA wants to say, yeah, we'll allow high schoolers, they can do that. If college wants to say we want to play players, they can do that. They they make it seem like they're complicated issues, but they're not. If you want to do them, just do them. They're Christ's sake, enough money to go around. Money is not an issue. It is right. It's a problem that just doesn't want to get solved. Apparently, Trent Richardson is playing the AAF. Yes, and he's like their best player. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, He's very good down there. You know why? Because the players are bad, and also he's a terrible player. So. Um, so that's college basketball there. Uh, like I say, big games this week include, you know, the, the battle in the Sunflower State, Kansas, Kansas State. Uh, you have Kentucky and Tennessee this Saturday. I think Tennessee will beat Kentucky. Reed Travis is not playing for Kentucky, so that is a significant loss for them. Um, but he should be back in time for the SEC tournament. And uh, this is the last week for the, um, for the, uh, the, a lot of the mid-majors because the conference tournaments start next week, so the regular season uh, wrapping up. Do you have any thoughts on the NHL trade deadline? Rest in peace, I don't know. Okay. Well, M- Mikhail Granlin uh, of the Wild got traded to Nashville on Monday. Um, that infuriates a lot of Minnesota Wild fans like myself. Uh, a lot of players got dealt. A lot of teams got better. Uh, Wayne Simmons, uh, a defenseman for Philly, he went to Nashville, so Nashville is loading up for Stanley Cup run. So uh, that that's your NHL trade deadline talk. Um, last week when we recorded the podcast, we were talking about Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Well, less than 24 hours after we recorded, Manny Machado landed with the team that we, uh, you specifically, said he should not go to. That would be the San Diego Padres. Ten years, $300 million. Um... I don't get it. It, it, it. If you're 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 com- between him and Eric Hosmer, they almost have half a billion dollars in those two guys right there. I don't think that those two are going to be able to lift the Padres, the fathers, to a uh, to a World Series title. They gave them the most money, so that's why they went there. And apparently they say they are in the Bryce Harper sweepstakes, so that seems now to be down to just Philly and the Dodgers. The Dodgers want a short-term contract here with Harper, but ultimately at the end of the day we see Philadelphia signing him, and that was what kind of kind of had assumed or presumed all along, right? Yeah, Harper better sign a long-term deal because I don't think he'll be good enough to demand this ridiculous contract he'll get for the average years he's put up in his career. He's had one great year and a bunch of average years. I don't know why the production hasn't been there for this type of contract. Can I, can I tickle your fancy reading the Padres starting pitchers? Oh, Stacking. please, yes, please. Joey Lucchese, Robbie Erlin, Brian Mitchell, Eric Lauer, Luis Perdomo. I've heard. Tell me how that. I've tell me how of, that team. I've heard of none of them. Tell me how that team's going to do this year. <sighs> they got a lot of good prospects. I look at position players. They got Fernando Tatis Jr. as a shortstop. Machado's going to play third, which you should because his defensive short sucks. They got. They got a third. 
they got yeah. good minor league pitchers coming up, right? Sure, I'm waiting for them. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if they're good. We'll see if they're good. I mean, okay. at this point, I mean, Dallas Keuchel remains unsigned. I'd love to, you know, the the Twins got Marwin Gonzalez from the Astros. I'd love to see them pick up his teammate, Dallas Keuchel. But Keuchel to the Padres at this point makes a ton of sense. Why not anchor sure. that staff? If you're really, truly, like, trying to say, hey, we're in it to win it here with, by signing Machado, why not, why not sign Keuchel to be the ace and anchor of your pitching staff? They got a lot of pitchers coming up, but they're not... Obviously, they're not ready. Uh, spend some money on pitchers. Not all on hitters. I mean, Eric Osmer, terrible contract. Chano, not, not the best. No, no. Uh, anything else uh, regarding baseball and spring training? How much time do you have, Stack? How oh. much time do you have? I can't imagine that there's been that much that's happened in the week of spring training that we need to get to, but I will I'll give I will give the microphone and the floor to you. Uh, Byron Buxton, he's got five hits, a couple home runs, ten RBIs. Good for him. Is this fool's gold? Is this false hope? Probably you don't you don't have to pay attention to any spring training stats. If they're bad, doesn't matter. They're good. It's fine. Better than being bad. They don't mean a goddamn thing when uh, it comes under the regular season because, you see, these games don't count to the regular season does. So hopefully he continues to do well. Killing this is the season he has to do well or he's gone. Uh, Aaron Hicks, pretty terrible baseball player. Aaron Hicks. He signed a seven-year extension with the Yankees for $70 million. That's significant. Former twin Aaron Hicks, who had a good year, but a seven-year extension. He's 29. I don't want to be paying Aaron Hicks when he's 36. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone seven years from now. (laughs) Um, He's had two good back-to-back years. I don't think I would pay that much money for that. But that's the Yankees, and... (laughs) They're usually pretty terrible at big contracts. They like to give those out. It's like Jacoby Ellsbury and Jason Giambi and, and guys like that. You know, give people a lot of money and when they're 33 years old, they're garbage. Keep paying them. So, well, spring training's on. It's good to see. Kershaw's a little banged up. We'll see what happens. He might be near the end. Very good. Um... Anything else that we need to get to before we say so long for the for the week? WrestleMania next year will be in Tampa. Ooh, ooh, it's big news. Hopefully somebody, hopefully somebody jumps off the ship. <laughs> Are they doing it? They're doing it at Raymond James Stadium then. Yes, yes. That's very good. Uh, very Lakers, good. Lakers, Lakers. May not make playoffs. I hope so that's the go. case. That would be fantastic. Um, that would be fun. Uh, dare I say that, that we could see the Kings in the playoffs? Is that is that really a possibility? Yeah, Clippers. Clippers are a game ahead. Oh, 
Knicks yeah. beat, Knicks beat the, the Spurs on Sunday night for their first home win since December 1st. A lot of bad basketball, but a lot of good basketball out there. Um, I made it. Yeah. You lost the show. You did. That was good. Uh, uh, quickly here, favorite Oscars moment. Mm. Um, talking 1970s Yankees Oscar Gamble. Talking Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. Oscar Robertson. Oscar Robertson, the big O. I watched. Who who might Don pass this weekend? So congrats to him. Good for him. I watched Sinandale between the two people that everybody liked. It was fine. I don't know. A lot of people creamed their pants over it. A lot of people want Lady Gaga and uh, and uh, um, uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, thank you to uh, to become an item. Want want to see him uh, be married in real life. I don't give a shit at all. Um, whatever. It's an award show about movies I don't give a shit about or watch. <coughs> you know, just see it. Um, big award at the end, all the people get up there, like fucking 30 people get up there. It's like how much time they put into this to the movies, the millions of dollars, the man hours, to put together a goddamn, you know, hour and a half, two hour film. All to... to Devote your life to that. I suppose it's worth it. And the hundreds of millions of dollars that they make. Jesus Christ. What a, what, a, what a life. What a life. What a life indeed. What a life indeed. Well, my friend, I will let you rest. I'll let your cough heal up. And uh, next week, we'll be previewing the Summit League Tournament. Both on well, the men and the women's side. It's going to be great. I hope so. You hope so what? That it's a great tournament or that we'll be previewing it? Hope that it's great. I won't even take an okay tournament. I think we'll see a few upsets this week, or this year. I I think we will, on both sides. Both upsets on both sides? Yes. Good people on both sides. (laughs) Well, wait a second. Maybe I need to revamp here what I think. Anyway, we'll be be previewing the Summit League tournament next week. uh, All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll we'll talk to you right. next week. Uh, big project. Uh, we'll 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 talk about that next week as well. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Travis Grins joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. Uh, congratulations to Mike Dom, South Dakota State, getting three thousand points. Uh, got it in the win against USD. I'm just hesitant. Uh, I'm scared of SDSU's defense or lack thereof here. And. Uh, We'll see what happens this week. Omaha has to go on the road to, I believe, Oral Roberts and Denver. SCSU just plays at home against Western Illinois. One of the things has to happen, though, for uh, for SDSU to uh, to get the one seed on the men's side. The, the women, they have that pretty much down pat. Anyway, uh, we will be talking NFL Combine here, though, in just a minute. Here with uh, the great Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast. But for, first, want to remind you that this podcast, the Sports Block podcast, is available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Also, follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook, Nathan Stack. And a link to the podcast is posted on both uh, my Twitter and Facebook pages in the middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, uh, you know, 
plenty of great college basketball talk. We will be definitely talking more college basketball here or extensively throughout the next month. But coming up next, NFL Combine starts in Indianapolis this weekend. Jeff Lloyd, second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, will join me to talk about some of the uh, potential prospects, um, see who can really make a name for themselves this week in Indy and who might get their name called early on draft night in Nashville here in a couple of months. Coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. All right, we continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and pleased to be joined by a good friend, a good colleague. Well, co- yeah, we'll just say good friend, because uh, we we aren't working at uh, at uh, Lockdown Browns yet. Uh, I don't foresee myself doing that at all. But it is Jeff Wood, second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, couldn't be better, Nathan. Uh, you know, it's for me one of the you know favorite favorite time of the year. Uh, yes. You know, uh, after this, you know, I mean, the the pro days are one thing. You know. The personal, you know, meetings where the teams go to teams, you know, uh, the team facilities and stuff. There's only so much we can get from stuff like that. But uh, you know, this is it. I mean, this is kind of like the last chance under the lights here for the guys. And then it's kind of just you know go about the course and hopefully don't get into trouble over the next uh, six seven weeks and hope to have your name called. We we were just talking before we started here about the weather. What is the weather out in in your neck of the woods? Because it's bitterly cold and we have lots of snow up here in Fargo. Uh, which is good. That means it's a lot of time we could sit down and, and watch the combine here this next weekend. Um, we've actually been snow wise this year. We've been extremely fortunate. We've never had. Uh, I think our most was maybe, and it was last week. I think we've been maybe tapped out at about three inches. We've been really fortunate with the snow department. Um, there's been times where it's been brutally cold. Well, I wouldn't well, brutally for us. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say for you guys, but uh, we had a stretch for about six or seven days where it was a. Uh, you know, never left single digits, but I mean, I know that's kind of beach weather out there by you guys. Oh yeah, I think we would be sun uh, sun tanning and uh, like laying shovel on the, the dri- with no shirts on and stuff. Yeah, I think yeah, sh- shovel in the driveway and just a t-shirt, and a it, pair of shorts. Exactly. Of course. I think we when we last talked, it, it was going to be that, that was the polar vortex. I think was coming in, and it was going to be like yes. fifty or sixty below zero. So uh, yeah, we fortunately we won't have that. Um, I remember last year when we were talking about the combine and. Uh, certainly a few names, but one name, uh, and I don't know, I guess, how how much we talked about, but one name that sticks out from last year's combine was Oklahoma offensive tackle Orlando Brown. He just had a terrible uh, combine, what, 14 reps at 225. He was a lot slower than what people thought. And, you know, I mean, he was really ridiculed for that performance. And Baltimore took him, and he had a very solid year. So is is last year, is that particular case with Orlando Brown sort of a cautionary tale as to maybe we shouldn't get caught up in any too much in anyone's individual workout or individual numbers here at the combine this week? Uh, I, I think I've used this phrase with you before, and this is maybe where we went too hard on Orlando Brown. Now, if you had watched this film, what did you think? You thought he was a really massive human being. Mm-hmm. Did you think he was very athletic? Probably not. Um, what's the biggest mistake? In, and I'll admit I did it too. The biggest mistake you make sometimes, and we use the phrase, don't count it twice. Um, whether or not Kyler Murray runs this weekend at Indy, and if he runs and he breaks 4-4, oh my God, he broke 4-4. Well, if you ever watch Kyler Murray play and run with the ball in his arms, you think he's fast. Um, you know, I think with Orlando Brown, it fell under the don't count it twice. The guy never looked athletic. He looked massive. Uh, you know, he, he you know kind of looked like you know Debo in that respect. Um, but you know, agility—he was probably never going to look that good. Um, 
there's two ways to look at it. Should he have just ducked it because he wasn't going to test well or take his lumps? He took his lumps. He took his ridiculing. He's going to be the right tackle in Baltimore probably for the next five or six years. Uh, he's a nice match because you can't go through him as easily as you can other guys to get to Lamar Jackson, who's still got, you know, hopefully some body mass to put on. So the one thing, and, you know, if you think a player's small, don't be shocked what he actually might be five foot nine. Or you want to know what? This guy is ripped. He looks like a pro wrestler with his physique. And you see him at 6'3", 265 without his shirt on. And guess what? He's ripped and he looks like a professional wrestler. You, you got to stick with that phrase of don't count it twice. There's going to be certainly some guys that they'll test and be like, wow, we never saw that. Oh, whether it's good or bad. Or there'll be some guys where, you know, wow, you, know, you always get those guys who you see their college programs and they're listed at six foot five. And, you know, somehow they you know, left an inch and a half in the plane, you know, an inch and a half on the plane to Indianapolis. I mean, it's going to catch up with you eventually. So that stuff just don't lie about. Uh, don't don't look. T- that's that's very good there. Uh, Tyler Murray, I think, is the name that people are most fascinated by. Uh, heard he's uh, bulked up a little bit here. Um, but I don't believe in, correct me if I'm wrong, he's not going to do a lot at the combine, not going to throw or any, uh, anything like that. Maybe that hasn't changed, has it? I don't see any reason he would. I mean, if he just finally committed to this football thing a couple of weeks ago, you kind of got to wonder where he was. Uh, you know, maybe he's just getting back. Look, first things first, you know, he did play in the college football playoffs. So either way, he was going to take some time to rest. His body needed a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, was he kind of messing around like, you know, just for fun, one day I'm going to go to the cage, you know, I'm going to throw the baseball a little bit, I'm going to throw the football a little bit. The worst thing Kyler Murray can do is, if he's not 100% ready, to do anything in Indianapolis. It would be a huge mistake because there's a bunch of people ready to nag on him because of the size and rip him. So if you were to put up a bad performance throwing the football – because some of these other guys now have been throwing again for four to five weeks. Maybe he's only been throwing for 10, 13 days. It's a huge mistake for him to do that. But what he needs to do is he needs to go and he needs to interview. Um, he went down, obviously, to Super Bowl, went to press row, had a little bit of difficulty with the interviews, which he should have never done. If he hadn't truly made his decision yet or hadn't committed one way or the other, you know, he put himself in a rough spot. And mm-hmm. because he's young and he's, there's established announcers, you know, they kind of got him a little bit. And you hate to see that for the kid. Because, look, first things first, we're covering this from the football standpoint. You want the league to be great. I want every player to be great. You know, I, I want a good product. Um, I, I think I'll hold off to a pro day. Obviously, you know, you can always control it. You keep it set around the way you want it done. You have your college coach that can influence it. You have your people who can influence it. It's probably the best route for him to go. Um, it does bode well for him that he should show up and measure maybe 205 or a little bit more than that. And there may be some talk of, you know, oh, well, how much water weight is it? Whatever. That is what it is. And, you know, quarterbacks do it. Skill guys do it. Linemen do it. Everybody knows if it's a knock on you to be light weight, you're going to do everything you can to juice the body up to put up a good weight. So, unlike when we talked about the Senior Bowl, there are, of course, more than just seniors here and not in, and more seniors than who are just at the Senior Bowl. So, who are some names that you are really intrigued by? We can go across the gamut here, multiple positions, but who are some names that you're really looking to, to make a name for themselves this week? I'll start with one of my biggest guys, and uh, I've been on him uh, probably you know, 
probably about five or six weeks. And when he first declared out of Michigan State, Justin Lane, um, and he didn't play in the team's bowl game, and it was like, wow, well, this is a name I don't know much about. Granted, Michigan State right now is you know not the state of the Big Ten that they you know they had been in years past. But you look at this guy; uh, he's going to probably measure north of six foot two. He's actually a Cleveland kid. Um, had a high school track and uh, track and field background. Um, he went to Michigan State as a wide receiver um, midway through his freshman year. Not only did they switch him to cornerback, was uh, within his second week at playing quarterback, he was starting. Uh, he has good length. Um, he has a little bit of problem, you know, uh, sh- you know, like shuttling down in his hips and plays that in front of him, you know, coming into. But that's easier to learn with more repetition. If you constantly get beat deep, that's just something that's probably not going to change. You just you're just not quick enough for flipping your hips or flipping your head. But he's good on the deep ball. Um, two years, over fifty plus tackles, um, over twenty career uh, pass breakups. Really, really intriguing player. And this is a guy when you get to Indianapolis. These are normally the guys at the cornerback position who rise. So if he can match the the tape that he's got to this point with the fact that he's going to be north of six foot two, and he can put up good athletic numbers, this is the thing that takes you where you know you were a guy. Oh, maybe it'll be a top one hundred pick. To you know, you can conceivably we'll be talking you know back end of round one. This is the kind of cornerbacks you draw up in a lab. Very good there. Uh, running back class certainly seems deep this year. Probably. Maybe one back would go in the first round, but between what you got, uh, uh, Bryce Love from Stanford, uh, you got the Singletary kid from uh, from Florida Atlantic. Uh, there are a lot of good running backs here. Who do you think can really kind of st- distance themselves from the pack? Shall we say? Well, with all the hype that Josh Jacobs has been at, he's been given out of Alabama, and look, Josh didn't get the ball much out of Alabama. And it's pretty weird that, you know, like, you know, Derrick Henry was the feature bell cow. Trent Richardson was the feature bell cow. Mark Ingram was the feature bell cow. You know, if Josh Jacobs is supposed to be this great and there's people who want to say he should go top 10, why did Nick Saban, who was the college football god, never say to anybody, get Josh Jacobs a ball more? Josh Jacobs needs to test his butt off because there's a lot of pressure on him now where he doesn't have a nearly close to the production that some of these other guys do coming into this. He needs to test well to warrant all this hype that he's been given. If he doesn't, it's going to be interesting because a lot of big names have associated themselves with Josh Jacobs being a top 10 player in this draft. It'll see what happens if he doesn't test very well. Running back-wise, the guy to watch test um, will be uh, Darrell Henderson out of Memphis. Um, very yes. smooth, yep. long runner. I mean, this guy easily takes what looks like a five, six-yard run and granted, it's not the SEC competition. It's not the elite of the elite. But those stuffs usually translate. And you get out of an open space, do you have the ability to take it to the house or not? If he can get himself under 4-5, if he can show good quickness in the short area drills in, you know, obviously the seven cone, I'm sorry, the three cone and things of that nature, it's going to be really interesting. He can make a case for himself to be the number two, number three back in this class. And the thing with him, uh, a la some others, is he's got the production to back it up. I was really impressed in uh, the during college football bowl season here by David Montgomery of Iowa State. Uh, yep. He's put together a very solid year. Uh, Hakeem Butler, uh, his wide receiver teammate, there he's he was also good. He he caught my attention. I actually thought if they came back, Iowa State would have a good chance to maybe compete with Oklahoma and Texas for the Big Twelve. What what do you what do you think about those guys in particular? Butler seems to he, he seems to be a guy that keeps rising. 
Um, and the thing is, you know, you know they want to say six six or whatever. Even if it's six foot five, obviously he's a big, tall receiver. He'll bring you vertical plays down the field. Maybe Bruce Feldman's uh, top twenty freak list, which that usually translates. Those guys usually test well at the combine. So I don't see any reason. You know, sometimes the hands get sloppy. Um, sometimes at his height, he jumps for balls he doesn't need to jump for because he's six foot five. He's not five foot eleven. Um, can that stuff be worked and nuanced out of his game? That's a question. But he tests well. He should easily go mid-second round. David Montgomery, it's a little bit interesting because everybody speaks well of him. Everybody loves the tape. Uh, obviously, you know, broken tackles, missed tackles, forced. The last two years, he was phenomenal with it. But you start to wonder if some of the big draft, and this would be your Daniel Jeremiah's and your uh, Dane Brugler's, do these guys know some of the testing numbers already that don't have him launching him? Because what he did on tape, and for me, I'm normally the guy like, well, this guy's doing this at Iowa State. Now, imagine if he got to play behind the offensive line in Tuscaloosa for a game or two. Oh, my God, what would he do there? So, David Montgomery, it's going to be a question of the testing numbers. you know, And, and running back numbers, it's usually the way it goes. Some guys get shot away by him. But, you know, I don't care where you played. If you broke or forced missed tackles over in the number of 102 years in a row, you probably know what you're doing. So, David Montgomery will probably end up being a guy who's going to get drafted later than he should. Are there more questions surrounding Houston defensive tackle Ed Oliver's character versus his on-the-field on production? Uh, is that something that he's going to really have to answer and be careful about when he interviews with teams this week? He should interview well. I think the biggest issue for Ed Oliver was was going into this year, nothing was going to change. You know, like Everybody thought, like, oh, he's athletic as hell. He plays really well. He's quick off the ball. But there was some of, well, you know, what was it? How much was he going to improve the situation playing at Houston? And he wasn't, so it, it put him in a tough spot because it was still good. Everybody was still going to say AAC. Um, you know, and this is another one where we do the old "don't count twice." If Ed Oliver measures in at six two two seventy eight, let's not all be stunned. That's probably what he is. Um, so, yeah, the interviews are going to be crucial. Um, the best thing Ed Oliver can do would be able to show up there and be north of 280 and show that he's got a commitment to put on some more weight. He's still going to go round one because you just look at him as a second defensive tackle or even, yeah, I'll give you a team right here, Detroit. You put him next to a guy like Snacks Harrison mm-hmm. who's going to take out two dudes on his own. Ed Oliver's just running around, barely touched, just wreaking havoc in backfields. The kid can play. Yeah, he's a little weird because he's a small defensive tackle. We're not used to that. It's a little bit different. Um, let's not use the Aaron Donald comparisons for anybody ever. It's okay. just not fair. <laughs> um, so, But, you know, Ed Oliver's going to be a new, unique guy. And there are some people that started to trick out a little bit today and yesterday. Maybe he can play a little stand-up. You know, so maybe he's a rotational D-line. But you seeing that guy on tape and how quick he is off the ball, whether it was 18 years old, when he was really in it with this year, uh, I mean, you know, I cover the Browns. Uh, Ed Oliver's yes. there at 17. <laughs> it's over. Yes. I make that phone yep. call in three seconds. The kid can play. Just throw everything else out the window. I mean, obviously, it'll help him if his head is on straight, of course, um, because there is, I wouldn't say negative towards him, but there are going to be concerns because he's going to be a little bit undersized. Go in there, talk to everybody, speak well, speak, you know, do the, sh- do the shtick, hear what they want to hear. Uh, you know, and then get yourself somewhere, man, and just go ball out. I mean, he's going to be a little bit smaller, but he wouldn't be the first guy who was. Most, uh, I think every draft uh, pundit out there is 
classifying this draft class as very defensive heavy, especially along the defensive line and stuff. So apart from the defensive line, what position group has a chance to show at the Combine this week that, yeah, we have a little more depth than uh, than uh, maybe you would have thought going into uh, into draft preparedness mode? If we can, if we're going either side of the ball, I, yep. well, I, I'm, I'm going to say I think the wide receiver class is being slept on. And I think they're being slept on because of the tight end class. It's rare to have a tight end class like this where everybody just wants to talk tight ends because there's a lot of them. And when I say there are 13 or 14 legitimate tight end prospects in this class, that's an insane number. There, there are two that could go in the first round from Iowa. What, uh, like, uh, no the same school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The same school alone. So that, that itself is a little bit rare. But with the wide receiver class, there's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, you have DK Metcalf, who's going to need a little work. He's not going to be the guy right out the box this rookie year. So it gives you some hesitation as far as drafting him high. But he's got all the skills and just natural ability and freak. Um, but, you know, did miss some time last year. Um, so there's a little hesitation there. But the guy can do everything. He should test off the charts. Um, like I said, Akeem Butler's another one. That, so there's some of your bigger guys who can make plays. Uh, do you want a pure number two possession guy? Kelvin Harvin out of North Carolina State. He may only run in the mid four five, four fives. That's fine. Catches everything that's run to, thrown to him. He creates just enough separation that if your quarterback's throwing the ball at the appropriate time, he will be open. He will catch it. He's got good, good body control. He can catch ugly balls where he's got to adjust mid, in midair. <laughs> then he gets in your time here, guys whether it's an Andy Isabella, who everybody seems to like. And he's a little bit more jacked up than you would think for a five foot nine guy. But there's plenty of those guys. I'll give you another one out of Wake Forest, Greg Dorch. Well, he won't be 21 until Memorial Day weekend. Um, with the ball in his hands out of Wake Forest, he gives you some Odell Beckham type of vibe. He's got the plant foot you know, and the cutting ability. Very, very impressive. And, and, you know, talks a little talk for a guy at Wake Forest, which you don't normally see. Nope. But the wide receiver class, it, it goes four or five. Uh, um, Antoine Wesley out of Texas Tech, only one year of production. Um, he's one of these guys I talked about earlier. He's listed at six foot five. He's going to come in at six three and change. Um, but for a big guy, he's got really good feet. He'll play in the slot inside the red zone. You know, he's able to run those routes to go with quickness and precision and get the you know, the spot he needs to be for his quarterback to succeed. The wide receiver class, it's probably being slept on, maybe because it's not, and Nathan, we say this every year, that 14-top class was so great up top. But these guys, I mean, you know, they catch 45 passes a year in high school. You know, back in the day, high school wide receivers, you were lucky if you caught 12. These guys, they know how to play the route. It's so much, they all have to play the position. It's so much younger in age. Then they start getting the players with better abilities to throw the ball to, to fit the and it's just the wide receiver. This isn't going to stop. It's going to be a thing year in year out because we talk about these quarterbacks and oh my god, he threw for five thousand yards as a sophomore in high school. Well, who do you think's eating off of that? All these receivers is eating off of that as well. The you mentioned how deep the tight end class is, and we can maybe we can talk more about this as we get closer to the draft. But do you get the sense that you know maybe like? Obviously, there's going to be some very good guys that will be available in the later rounds. Is there going to be, I don't know, I don't know if this is quite the right word, but a cannibalistic kind of sense about it where, you know, there are going to be guys just kind of leapfrogging over one and you really maybe kind of lump them all 
sort of together versus a few standing out from the rest outside of the the Irv Smiths and the and the the, tr- the duel from Iowa. Well, I think the thing is, you know, th- there's a couple of guys you're going to look at because when you you know there are still some NFL teams when they say, okay, we're going to talk tight end. What's the first thing they're going to say? Can they block? They're going to ask if they can block. That, but that's where TJ Hawkinson is probably going to end up being a top 10 player. He will block you, then he will go block your mom, and if his girlfriend gets if your girlfriend gets in the way, he's going to take her out to the snack stand too. <laughs> Irv Smith, same type of guy. Noah Fant, good blocker, not on the level with these guys. You want a guy with Hawkinson's ability, but you don't want to pay the first-round price tag. You want to talk maybe early third round. You got Isaac Nwata out of Georgia. Blocks very well. Good receiver. All these Georgia skill guys in this class, they're in a tough spot because everybody wants to talk about production. But Georgia's getting similar to Alabama where you have three five-star running backs and you have three five-star wide receivers and some really good, highly sought-after tight end recruits. How's everybody going to get to put up good production if they, in order to keep their program going by getting these type of guys in, got to say, look, we got to feed everybody. But Nawada excels in the play-action game. Um, he had, I think it was 38 receptions out of 46 balls thrown to him. Um, showed up big in the SEC championship game against Alabama. So if you do not want to pay the first-end price, the first-round price, you can get Isaac Nawada a little later. And because of the fact that this is one thing I get a little nervous with with tight ends is these guys leaving school early, I don't want to put a lot on them in a rookie year. So if you want to bring them in for a year, make a part of your tight end group, give them a rookie year to say, wow, wow, these guys, you know, even though I played in the SEC, these guys are really freaking fast. And let them catch up a little bit. So by year two, they're much better off. Obviously, you saw David Njoku had a much better year two as opposed to year one. Mm-hmm. So tight ends, I like to bring on, uh, along a little bit slower. Um, so, But this group, and, you know, and there's uh, Josh Oliver out of San Diego State. And it just goes on and on for days. This is a really, really deep class, and it's fun because, look, the NFL, I mean, as much as you know, they, you'll hear the, oh, we got to play defense, we want to play good, sound defense, nobody's ignoring the fact that these good teams are dropping 35 to 40 a weekend, and that's how they're getting themselves to the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, a couple quick ones here to close here. Uh, apart from, you know, the you know some of these smaller schools so, so the fcs levels the division two the division three uh give me a guy on both side on each side of the ball offense and defense who you think can really make a name for himself this weekend if you have him yeah we uh, we can do that uh tight end position at a texas state university um uh, Ke- keenan here. brown yes now here's the thing though he's a little bit older he's a little bit smaller so i mean if you're a team that implores the h back or if you want to use him as a second tight end and play him as your, <clears throat> or play him, you know, some fullback roles, things of that nature. He's really good. He's extremely, extremely productive. Um, obviously, can help himself this weekend if you're able to run well. You know, he, it's because he's going to get hurt a little bit by about the size. So that's something he's going to have to be very, 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 very careful with. Um, cornerbacks. Um, I guess we'll go with uh, you know out, out your neck of the nape here. Um, you know, Jordan Brown. Yeah, oh, this is a, yeah. yeah. I know, I know, okay. I know I like you were waiting one. for this. <laughs> what I liked about him watching him play was, you know, when you want to watch somebody at that level, does he look the part? Does he look the feistiest of the group? Does he look like the baddest dude of the group? He did, on, on all accounts. Um, will he run well? 
That's huge. If even and just even if it's just four or five, run just good enough. And the thing, and this is the best part about the defensive back position is nobody cares where you came from. If you get in a camp and you cover somebody, they don't care if it's Notre Dame or North Dakota or South Dakota State. Get in there and just play and compete. And you know, they'll find a role for you. I mean, and even if it's special teams, and guess what happens? There's five or six cornerbacks on a roster, and you're on the everyday. You're on the roster every week because you can cover kicks. And mid second corner, mid second quarter, a D back or two is down. You're in, and you get your chance to run with it. He is a guy that certainly should be able to. You know, as long as he's going to get himself in, he's going to get himself an opportunity. And I'll be stunned if he doesn't have you know a, you know a five to eight year run in the in the league. He's just he's what you look for in a cornerback. It's just as long as once he gets into camp, you know, just don't turtle up against the competition because oh no, it's Julio Jones in front of me. Well, guess what? Julio Jones, Julio Jones has beaten a million defensive backs. Yep. So don't worry about that. But come on back the next rep and get it done. I would just like to state for the record for all the the audience listening here, I did not ask you to. To praise Jordan Brown from South Dakota State, but I'm so glad you did. So, I uh, well, appreciate yeah, even that. if you were gonna Nathan, <laughs> even if you were gonna send me a check, you just said you got 12 foot snowdrifts <laughs> by your driveway. I'd be lucky if the thing was here by August. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh, so, finally, in closing here, um, what anything else that you are really looking at here as the as the combine gets uh, set to go here within a few days. I want to see Dwayne Haskins prove that he is the number one overall quarterback in this class. Um, he seems to be going there with the intention of doing everything. Um, me, personally, covering the Cleveland Browns, if they pick at 17, mm-hmm. sure, if these teams want to pick all these quarterbacks in the top 14, 15 picks, go right ahead. Um, other than Kyler Murray, then other than Daniel Haskins, uh, Dwayne Haskins, I would not be picking a quarterback early in this class. This group just... It, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so, the, I mean, look, I mean, you know, there's a, obviously a huge opportunity for any one of these other guys to step up here. Um, one other thing that is really interesting to me is the linebacker position. And not just the overall depth of it is, but Devin White versus Devin Bush at the top. Um, Devin White should test well, which everybody's expecting. Devin Bush, if he can test good enough, I think Devin Bush is a better linebacker than um, the, the young man from LSU. Uh, Devin Bush, look, he's got the bloodlines. Um, his father was a former pro. He played for his father. His father followed him to the University of Michigan. He plays like a seek and destroy at the linebacker position. He can chase down backs, which are such a crucial part of what the NFL does today. And I saw this a lot last year with the Browns when, when Joe Schobert was out. Then when Joe Schobert came back and was injured, you know, he had an issue chasing down guys like Christian McCaffrey, James Connors, guys of this ilk. You need a linebacker that can do that. Devin Bush tests four, five-ish, shows well and everything else. I think Devin Bush is the number one linebacker in this class, not Devin White. We'll see how it all plays out, though, Nathan. This is always a fun weekend. Oh, it is. It is. I can't wait. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on here uh, next week to to recap it all. But, uh, Jeff, I always appreciate the time. Enjoy this weekend. I know you have a lot to – Oh, you're going to be very busy, but uh, always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you so much. You know that. All the best, Nathan. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Woods, second from Lockdown Browns podcast. Uh, 
again, appreciate his time. It, it's great stuff. This guy knows what he's talking about. He just rattles off names. Boom, 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 boom. And it's great. It is great stuff. I cannot sing uh, his praises high enough. Jeff Lloyd, the second Lockdown Browns podcast. Definitely take a listen. With that being said, that's it. And so between the college basketball as the regular season winds down for uh, some of the mid-major conferences, the Summit League, uh, the, the Big South, the Missouri Valley, uh, the MAC, uh, some of these other schools here, uh, we are seeing, or the, the, the A-Sun, um, the Atlantic Sun, uh, we, we're going to see a lot of these smaller conferences the, the last week of the regular season here, conference tournament begins, Coming up, uh, you know what, next, not next week, the week after, we'll ho- hopefully be able to get uh, Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader to preview the Summit League Tournament, get his thoughts on the Jackrabbits here. But uh, between that and the NFL Combine, boy, this is a good weekend here. Hopefully the weather is crappy enough that you can sit in, watch college basketball, watch the NFL Combine. It's going to be good stuff as always. And as always, you can listen to this podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Also, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. We have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. And with that being said, uh, that puts a bow on the show. So, uh, thank you to Travis. And uh, as always, and of course, Jeff from uh, Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast for joining me to, to preview the NFL Combine. Uh, So that's about it. So have a great week, everyone. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the NFL Combine. Enjoy college basketball, the NBA, the NHL with the trade deadline in the wild, sending Mikhail Granlund away, which I'm just pissed about. I don't even want to talk about it, so I'm not going to anymore. Uh, And, you know, you get at least at least they got Ryan Donato from the Bruins for Charlie Coyle. Uh, that's a that's a great move. He got a game-winning goal Sunday night. So congratulations, Ryan Donato, and hopefully uh, the Wild prove many a fan wrong with the trading Grandland away for Kevin Fial. Anyway, with that being said, again, hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We'll be back again next week. Summit League preview. I guess you know we won't uh, next week. We will have a SDSU podcast. I've got my weeks mixed around. We will try and have Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader join us to uh, a separate podcast to preview the Summit League Tournament. That's going to be a big podcast next week. So between the Combine reaction and previewing the Summit League Tournament with Travis and, and Matt, big week. So you need to make sure that these next few weeks, of course, with the with the NCAA Tournament, our best show of the year uh, is coming up here in a few weeks uh, where we go through the bracket Travis and I do and go pick by pick and give you keys that you need to know to hopefully make your bracket the winning one in your office pool. So with that all being said, for Travis and Jeff, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Enjoy the week, and we'll be back next week to talk basketball, NFL Combine, and plenty more. Nathan Stackett here saying thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, and hope you tune in next week again for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a good week, everyone.